I don't know what this has to do with liberty because this, this vaccine and mask mandate, nobody wins on it. It has everything to do with liberty, and they know it. They just don't care. What they're not saying is they'd rather trade your freedom for dollar bills. The only thing is, they already have. Here we go. From high above, all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the depths of the Middle Swamp in Wyoming's capital of Cheyenne. I know it doesn't sound this way, but I'm actually on the mend. Thank God it's been over a week and a half that I've been dealing with this Democrat rhino virus. I shouldn't be surprised because I'm in the depths of the middle swamp, and that's exactly what would get come after me. Nice try. In any case, welcome to the program, my friends. We're starting to see some bills move through the Wyoming legislature. Some of them are good. Most of them are bad. There's a number of election integrity bills that we'll start seeing here pretty soon one of which is House Bill 103, sponsored by Representative Jeremy Haraldson. That would change the date at which you can declare your political party. Right now, you can register to vote or change your party affiliation the day of the primary election. Uh, this is what's caused all the crossover voting that happens in Wyoming. Now, the Redcoats and the Democrats want to tell you that that's not a problem, but really it is. In this past election, we saw a number of Democrats cross over so they could vote for Liz Cheney. So what House Bill 103 will do is move the date at which you can declare your party all the way back to May, to the first day that candidates can file for office. The Redcoats attempted to amend this bill to say that you could change your party affiliation up to 45 days before the primary election. Amazingly, that amendment failed. It's pretty likely that they'll attempt to amend this bill yet again when it comes up for second and third reading, but I'll keep you posted. There's also a number of gun bills that are making their way through the Wyoming legislature. I haven't really talked about any of them because none of them have hit the floor yet. For example, House Bill 250, sponsored by Representative Mark Jennings. That's a red flag bill. The idea is that in some states, Somebody can say that you're a threat to yourself or to somebody else, and then law enforcement will come and seize your gun. This bill would outlaw that. House Bill 250 will be heard in committee today. There's also a bill concerning property taxes that would change the way that we assess taxes to more of an acquisition-based system. Right now, your property taxes are determined on market value. So, depending on what your neighbor sells their house for, that could affect your property taxes. That's one of the reasons why just about everybody across the state of Wyoming saw their property taxes go through the roof this last year and the year before. So, the bill would say that your taxes are dependent upon the amount that you paid for your house. Seems pretty logical to me. 
If you pay $200,000 more than your house is actually worth, obviously you think it's worth what you paid for it. And you ought to be taxed on that amount, not on what your neighbor does. Of course, we have several perennial bills. There's a couple Medicaid expansion bills. And unfortunately, there's also Convention of States. That one was heard in committee yesterday, or at least part of it. Now, the interesting thing about this committee meeting is Mark Meckler himself testified before the committee. Of course, you remember Mark Meckler. He's the head of Convention of States Action. He's the guy we've got on audio saying that he's lying about the Convention of States. I think I should just replay that whole soundbite for you. First, if you're unfamiliar with what the Convention of States is, let me just give you the rundown. There's one sentence in Article 5 of the Constitution that says that the states, two-thirds of them, can call a constitutional convention to propose amendments to the Constitution. That's all it says. And there isn't another single word about the Convention of States written in any of our founding documents. There's nothing else in the Constitution or the Federalist Papers or anything else. It's a profoundly dangerous idea in that it would open up the entire Constitution for debate. You could lose the Second Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Tenth Amendment. You could lose them all. It's a terrible idea. And get your hands off my Constitution, Mark Meckler. So how this would work is each state legislature would have to pass an application to join the Convention of States. That's Senate Joint Resolution 11 in this year's Wyoming legislature. We'll get to that in just a second. Each of these resolutions lists things that they want to correct in the federal government. It's mostly like a balanced budget amendment, let's rein in federal power, maybe establish some term limits, but that's what all of these resolutions say they're going to do. But most people could agree on a lot of it. Now, I might argue that we don't need term limits, and I think that's a profoundly bad idea, too. But anyway, each of these state applications lists things that they would like to add to the Constitution. But the truth is, it doesn't matter what a state says that they would like to discuss at a constitutional convention. None of that is going to happen. How do we know that? Well, here's the head of the organization pushing the Convention of States, Mark Meckler, telling you he's lying about it. Now, of course, he doesn't use the word lie. He says that's all part of the narrative to get people to support it. This is back in 2018, and he's speaking to this large group of people, and he was asked specifically about the items listed in the state application for the Convention of States. Frankly, this is all you need to know about the Convention of States and Joint Resolution 11 to throw them both in the trash can. So if there's no risk, then why did you put limitations on the enabling and educate uh, uh, the, the three basic limitations in, in the laws that you're so as opposed So as opposed to doing a general convention? Correct. Yeah. So the reason is for narrative. In other words, if I were to say, if we were to put out there to the world that, hey, we're just going to have a convention, we have no idea what's going to talk, what we're going to talk about at this convention, then frankly, nobody would support it because there'd be so much fear out there. Everybody would be afraid that we had to frame it in a way. I mean, this is one of the things that I think, I'm just going to say this generally, libertarians and conservatives are really bad at narrative. We just generally don't understand narrative. And if you don't frame a political discussion in the correct way, you lose. Oh, I get it. You have to lie to us because if you told us the truth, 
nobody would support your dumb idea, which kind of begs the question, what exactly is Mark Meckler up to? Is it just his own power, or does he want to reshape the entire Constitution? I don't really ma- it doesn't really matter what Mark Meckler wants to do. What matters is that you understand what he's trying to convince you to do. And he tried that again yesterday in the Senate Corporations Committee. Fortunately for us, though, the owner of Cowboy State Politics was in attendance, and I beat the crap out of Mark Meckler in that committee hearing. So what I want to play for you first is how Mark Meckler ended his testimony in the Senate Corporations Committee. (laughs) It's actually pretty funny. And then I'll play you my response to him. That idea has been carried by a few on the right. I would argue maybe 5 to 10% of the people on the right and almost 100% of the people on the left. Common Cause, Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, La Raza, MoveOn.org, Planned Parenthood, and I would argue, and I apologize for being a little bit inflammatory, but every communist, baby-killing, America-hating organization in the United States of America stands united, locking arms. They've signed a press release against Convention of States. And here's my response. Welcome, sir. We're glad you're here. What's your What's your name? And thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, my name is David Iverson. I'm from Buffalo. Uh, yes, I have sir. a degree in American history. I studied history at Regis University and earned a degree from one of Wyoming's great community colleges. I can assure you, Mr. Chairman and members of the committee, that I am not a communist, baby-killing Marxist. But I think that the Convention of States is a profoundly dangerous idea. And there's a number of reasons for this. You've heard a number of arguments as to why you should do this and why you should vote for this bill. And you've you've heard testimony that, well, there's process. We know how to do this. We know how it works. Well, quite frankly, members of the committee, there is not one single word beyond the one sentence in Article 5 that tells you how a convention of states will work. It's not there. Now, Mr. one of the previous uh, people that testified said, well, we have, we have notes from the convention, perhaps, but they don't tell you any rules as to how this convention is going to operate. Now, I would ask you to think about what the fir- very first thing you did at the opening of the 67th legislature was the first thing you debated. It was the rules, correct? So when the legislature convened, you all decided what rules by which you were going to operate. And in fact, the House changed a rule in contravention to what Mason's um, procedure, uh, legislative procedure manual says. And so if you all decided that one of your rules was that everyone had to wear pink shoes on the floor of the House, you could make that rule. The same holds true for a convention of states. Once it convenes, the rules will be decided there. So one of the previous people that just testified said that Warren Berger issued a letter to one of his constituents, and this morning I sent you a copy of that letter. And in it, he said that once this thing gets going, there's no stopping it. So once the convention is convened, they will decide the rules by which they will operate, and that's the way it will go. Now, why do we know that this will happen? Well, Because the first, the first and only constitutional convention did that very same thing. They had no authority to draft the United States Constitution. In fact, the only authority they were given was to revise the Articles of Confederation. But once the convention convened, they decided that it was of no, that it was of no use and they had to start over. They also changed the ratification um, level. 
They decided that three-fourths of the states would have to ratify the Constitution and not, a, and not uh, unanimous. So when their, when their convention convened, they made the rules. So everything that you're hearing, that you're going to hear today, about how there's procedure and how it will work, all of that is speculation at best. The next thing I would like to bring up is that there are a lot of thoughts about what we ought to do with the federal government, and certainly a lot of very important problems were, were already mentioned in today's hearing. We do have a runaway, runaway debt. We do have a federal government that is out of control. All of those things are absolutely true. Uh, but members of the committee, if you, if you pass this convention of states, you are putting the people who created the problem in charge of the solution. We do not have a problem with the Constitution. We have a problem with politicians. And if you pass this, you will put the power to change, or to try to fix that problem in the hands of the very people that created it. Now, one thing I want you to think about, the sponsor of this bill listed off all of the problems that we have with, uh, um, in our country today. And if you read um, this resolution, it says they want to fix three problems. Um, they want fiscal restraints. My first question would be, what the heck is a fiscal restraint? I mean, that could mean anything. I mean, it, it could be any number of decisions that you make. They want to limit the power of the federal government. What does that mean? How does that work out? What is the language behind that? What are you going to direct your delegates to do? I, I mean, how it's not specific at all. And then they want term limits. That's the last one. That one's pretty specific. But the sponsor of this bill said that they wanted to limit the amount of time that a Supreme Court justice could serve. Wait a minute, that's not listed in the resolution, now is it? What he's telling you is that, that amendments would be proposed at this constitutional convention that are not listed in this resolution, and that is further evidence that you'll have no control over this convention at all. The final thing I would like to mention, and this is something that Senator Landon has lamented a couple, time, couple times in this committee hearing, that politics being what they are, things are very uncertain. And if you look at the resolution that was passed in 2017 by Wyoming, it says that the delegates to, the con to this convention will be members of the legislature. Who do you suppose will be chosen? If, if more liberal, uh, more liberal contingent of our legislature is in charge, well, then it will be more liberal delegates that are chosen. And if it so happens that, that more conservative uh, people are in charge of the legislature, well, then it will be more conservative people that are sent. But what I'm, what I'm getting to here is none of this is certain. Now you're going to hear a lot, of, a lot of testimony here in a little bit as to how this is going to work exactly one way and we know how it is going to work. But I would ask you to question them. Show me where. Show me where the rules are written down. Show me how this is going to operate. Because I guarantee you it's not in our founding documents. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee, and I'll be happy to entertain any questions you may have. Boom. Welcome to Wyoming, Mark Meckler. I believe you can see yourself out. Please retrieve your hat and go sit in the corner. Well, that was fun. It's not often I get to lock horns with one of the guys that I've played audio from, exposing him as the liar that he is. After the break, I'm going to tell you why House Bill 66, that's the one that would have banned mask and vaccine mandates, failed on the floor of the House of Representatives Monday morning. The reason is pretty simple, my friends, and it's the same one that always seems to crop up. 
you've got lobbyists in the legislature. But first, an obscene profit timeout. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a roping arena or maybe a giant warehouse for your business, then you should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at Morton Buildings, 307-674-2532. These guys are the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't matter what type of building you've been thinking about. Give Nick and Jesse a call, and they can handle all the details. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. Right now is the highest we've ever seen gun markets, and the best performers are the vintage collectible firearms. Over in Cody, Gunrunner Auctions is one of the leading online auction houses in the country, and they're celebrating their 24th year. Scott Weber, the owner, specializes in estate firearms. He first travels to the estate and appraises the firearms for the heirs, and then takes them to his Cody auction facility where he and his team research them, sometimes getting factory letters from the Cody Museum about each firearm's history. Every month, beginning on the 7th, he posts 500 fine firearms for sale. And I'm telling you, my friends, he has some of the most unique collections that you're going to find in the entire country. Go to GunRunnerAuctions.com to view all of them. I'm telling you, my friends, there's a gun out there that you probably don't even know that you're looking for. That's GunRunnerAuctions.com. If you haven't noticed... It's been a little cold here in the great cowboy state of Wyoming for at least the last couple of months. I don't even know if the roads are open from Wheatland to Cheyenne yet. But one thing I can tell you for certain is that you have to go outside in all of this white crap. Now, if you're like me, the number one thing that gets cold first is my feet. It doesn't matter if I'm shoveling the sidewalk or if I'm just running out to the car to start it so that I'm not frozen by the time I get to the Capitol building. To stop all of this frozen foot frenzy, you should really check out TheBuffaloWoolCO.com. The Buffalo Wool Company makes the warmest socks that I've ever put on my feet. And I'm telling you, my friends, they'll be the warmest socks that you've ever tried to wear. So go to the Buffalo Wool Company and get some of the warmest socks that you're ever going to own. And now, the reason why all of those people in the House of Representatives voted against our freedom. It's pretty ironic that I started this whole adventure down here in Cheyenne by replaying the episode Lobbyists in the Legislature. That's the one I recorded right before the special session in which I told you that every single member that voted against having a special session to deal with vaccine mandates had taken money from Pfizer and the Wyoming Medical Lobby. Every single one of them that voted against it had done that. And wouldn't you know, at the end of the special session, 
their votes pretty much lined up with the interests of their campaign contributors. That's not the worst of it, though. After the special session, some of our elected officials took yet another campaign donation from Pfizer, presumably for a job well done. One of those that took a donation after he finished voting down every measure protecting your liberty was Fremont County Representative Lloyd Larson. On December 20th of 2021, Representative Larson reported a $200 donation from the Pfizer PAC out of New York. That was roughly one month after the special session had concluded. Before the special session, right in the middle of COVID, Representative Larson had yet another donation from the Pfizer PAC. No matter what Representative Larson's motivations for taking that money from the medical lobby were, you gotta admit, the optics on it are absolutely horrible. And when you compare his political donations to his voting record during the special session, it paints a terrible picture. And he's not alone. There were a number of representatives that took money from Pfizer and voted accordingly. If you want a list of who all took money from the medical lobby before the special session, go back and listen to the episode Lobbyists in the Legislature. It paints an awful picture of our elected officials. For most of us, if we had gotten away with that little ruse, we would count ourselves lucky and not try it again. But politicians don't operate that way. If they got away with it the first time, they're just more emboldened to do it again. Enter House Bill 66, sponsored by Casper Representative Jeanette Ward. It was a pretty simple bill. All it did was ban mask and vaccine mandates. And there were even a number of amendments that were added by the bill's sponsor to make it more palatable for people to vote for it. In the end, it didn't matter, though. The Redcoats in the House had decided that their political interests or more appropriately, their campaign contributors didn't want that bill to pass. And so they added a poison pill to it to kill the bill in the Wyoming House of Representatives. Actually, they added two poison pills to it. The first one was an amendment that made a violation of House Bill 66 a felony. Well, that one didn't work. Everybody still voted to pass that bill. Well, not everybody. It was actually a pretty close vote. But the point is that it passed that reading in the House of Representatives. And then the Redcoats got worried. They devised yet another plan to add yet another poison pill to House Bill 66. They do this sort of thing so that they can vote against a bill that they don't like, and yet they have a great excuse for all of their voters. Well, it costs too much money. It created a felony for violating this act. The violation of this thing is not a felony. I couldn't vote for that. It's all a political maneuver that gives cover to redcoats. The final blow, that is, the last poison pill, was unfortunately added by my representative, Barry Crago from House District 40. He created an amendment that would have added $850 million to House Bill 66, claiming that CMS, that is, the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services, would take all of the money from Wyoming if we passed this bill. And so we had to have a backstop, a plan B, of what to do for all of our hospitals. Because, you know, we can't let them all go broke. The reality being, of course, that there is a similar bill to House Bill 66 in 17 other states. And none of that has happened. 
And if you think that I'm just picking on poor Representative Barry Crago because I don't like my representative, I'm not. I'd rather that he straighten up and fly straight. The thing is, though, he has done this sort of thing numerous times in, during this legislative session. He adds random millions of dollars to conservative bills that he doesn't like. For example, he added $5 million to House Bill 88. That's a bill that would have prevented foreign ownership of land in Wyoming. He added millions to House Bill 214. That's the one that would have created a sandbox program for small businesses so that they could get going without overburdensome regulations. You see, Barry Crago just doesn't like conservative legislation, and so he puts poison pills on them to make them very unpalatable for people to vote for. And that's what he did with House Bill 66. He put an amendment on there of $850 million, and if that amendment were to pass, it would be very difficult for just about anybody to vote for that bill, because that would obligate just about half of the giant surplus that the state of Wyoming has right now. And so, House Bill 66 died on the floor of the legislature. But that's not the whole story. There's a reason why he added the poison pill, and there's a reason why a whole bunch of people in the House of Representatives voted against it. And it doesn't have anything to do with their belief in liberty or freedom or any of that. It has to do with who their campaign contributors are. So here's all the people that voted against your medical freedom and voted against House Bill 66. Ulred, Berger, Brown, Burkhart, Byron, Chadwick, Chestek, Clouston, Crago, Eklund, Harshman, Henderson, Lloyd Larson, J.T. Larson, Newsom, Nicholas, Nemec, Northrop, Oakley, Obermuller, Olson, Provenza, Sherwood, Stith, Storr, Walters, Washit, Western, Yin, Dan Swanitzer, Dave Swanitzer, and Speaker of the House, Albert Somers. And in a remarkable coincidence, here's the people that took money from the Wyoming Hospital Association. Allred, he took $500. Landon Brown, another $500. Chadwick, $500. The author of The Poison Pill himself, Barry Crago, took $500. Steve Harshman took $500. Lloyd Larson, this one's no surprise. $500. Nemec, $500. Sandy Newsom, $500. Bob Nicholas, $500. David Northrop, $500. Art Washett, $500. Dan Zwanitzer, $500. Dave Zwanitzer, $500. I told you, a remarkable coincidence. In what is yet another perplexing coincidence, here's the people that took money from the Wyoming Medical Pack. Allred, $1,000. Berger, $500. Landon Brown, $500. Yet again, author of The Poison Pill, Barry Crago, he took $1,000. Sandy Newsom, $1,500. Tony Nemec, $1,000. Albert Somers, $1,000. Dan Zwanitzer, another $500. Now keep in mind, all of this is during the 2022 election cycle. I just cannot believe how monumentally coincidental all of these campaign contributions are. And they all voted against House Bill 66. Nothing to see here. Move along, please. And just to add a little icing on the cake, and as a little refresher in case you didn't go listen to lobbyists in the legislature, here's all the people that took money from Pfizer. 
Landon Brown took $400. John Eklund took $150. Bill Henderson took $150. Lloyd Larson, $200. Sandy Newsom, $200. Jared Olson, $200. Tom Walters, $200. Cyrus Western was the big winner. I've got some more stuff for you, my friend. He took $400. And Dan Zwanitzer, another $400. And wouldn't you know, all of them voted against House Bill 66. Who could have seen that one coming? In the end, when you look at this whole thing, really none of those people are interested in protecting your liberty. It may very well be that they all agree with Representative Eklund that they just can't see what any of this has to do with liberty. I don't know what this has to do with liberty because this, this vaccine and mask mandate, nobody wins on it. Well, one thing is certain, Representative. No Wyoming citizen wins when all of you Redcoats are in the Wyoming legislature. All of you voted against our medical freedom. All of you voted in contravention to Article 1, Section 38 of the Wyoming Constitution. Most of you took money from the Wyoming Medical Lobby and Pfizer. So why should we trust you to represent any of our interests any longer? Well, the truth is, my friends, we shouldn't. Because they've proven to us over and over that they will vote alongside their campaign contributors and not alongside Wyoming citizens. They've proven that much to us. Well, that'll about do it for today's installment of the program. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk again on Saturday. I'm going to have to cancel this week's installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. After this, I need to let my voice rest up a little bit. So we'll talk again on Weekend Update. One more thing. If you're tired of paying attention to the Wyoming mainstream media, the Red Star, the Cow Pie, the Wild File, all of the ones that do very little other than lie to you, then you should check out the Wyoming News Chronicle. Go to the website, wyomingnewschronicle.com. It's news with things called facts and verified sources. Well, that'll be something. A media outlet that doesn't lie to you. For now. From the depths of the Middle Swamp in Wyoming's capital of Cheyenne, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics. <laughs> <laughs>